queens and heroes Up there for us on the silver screen Come grab a seat, the popcorn is on me Hello and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here spending time with you right here at C19 TV. And if you're listening to the radio version, the podcast version through WGWG, we want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that as well. However you spend time with us, we do appreciate it. Hanging out with me uh, to my right, and uh, there you go, Thomas Manning. There's Thomas Manning there uh, from the uh, rundownonmovies.com. Uh, Is that right? That's right. That's it. The, the Rundown on Movies. The Rundown Because I always get my articles mixed up. The Shape of the Water. It's not The Shape of the Water. It's The Shape of Water. Yeah, not, not A Quiet Place. Not Actually, a, it is A Quiet Place. It is A Quiet yeah. Place, not The <laughs> Quiet Place. So I always mess that up. Uh, but that is The Thomas Manning right there hanging out, talking movies with us. Uh, and also, we, uh, we have a studio audience. We're really happy to have the studio audience. Uh, you, you feel rough. See, he brought his uh, friend. Uh, that's, I don't think that's Randy Saxon, but, uh, but if, if you happen to hear the new theme song, that is performed by Phil Ruff and Randy Saxon and Greg Tillman on bass. Greg Tillman back there. I look, hey, Greg, how are you, man? You good? Good. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to say anything to me, but you're just going to nod. Yeah, okay, well, cool. Well, glad to have you. Glad to have you, Mr. Tillman, uh, and glad to have everybody else as we talk movies. And we have quite a few to try to talk about today, uh, including movies that, that relate to, to guns. So uh, anybody out there that's uh, interested in the Second Amendment, I think you're going to want to spend some time with us uh, today. Uh, also, we're going to be uh, traveling to uh, Midnight in the Switchgrass, and we're going to talk about a psycho by the name of Gorman. So we've got a lot to cover right here on Meet Me at the Movies. And uh, the first movie we're going to talk about, Thomas, uh, this was the first band name that I had back in high school when I played... Uh, when I played Egg Shakers, uh, it was Gunpowder Milkshake was, was the name of our band. And the band name was much better than the band itself. And so uh, we, we sold the rights uh, to that, and uh, a film has now been made called Gunpowder Milkshake. It's not about us, but it is on Netflix. Let's hear yeah. your thoughts on Gunpowder Milkshake. That's right, Gunpowder Milkshake. It probably serves a little bit more to the artistic community than your band ever did. <laughs> uh, I mean, so at least that name is being put to good use. But... Uh, this one is directed by Nouveau uh, Papachato, who is Say a, that again? Uh, Nouveau Papachato. I believe that is the correct pronunciation. It's pretty good, man. I did my research. If that's not exactly correct, then it's pretty close to it. But uh, he is... <laughs> Greg says it's wrong, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Greg. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, so he's a director out of Israel. And uh, so back in 2013, his film, Big Bad Wolves, was actually Quentin Tarantino's favorite film of that year. And um, this, this new film, Gunpowder Milkshake, is screening at the New Beverly uh, Tarantino's Theater in, in Hollywood. And so you can tell, you can see a lot of Tarantino's influence on the filmmaking of uh, Mr. Papachato. And uh, this is a female-led action film. You've got a great cast up front of Karen Gillan and uh, Lena Headey, Michelle Yeoh, as well as Angela Bassett and Carla Gugino. And uh, then you have this young, young girl in the middle, an actress. She was in My Spy last year with uh, Dave Bautista. Yeah. Uh, Chloe Coleman, she's definitely, I think she's on her way to stardom. Uh, she's just uh, so charismatic and so charming. And I loved her chemistry with Karen Gillan. And the storyline kind of takes on, when you recognize the trope of the, the Chaplin film, The Kid, dating back all the way to silent cinema, and you can see that trope in this film itself. Uh, Karen Gillan, 
finds herself uh, having to take care of this young child who is uh, basically orphaned without, without any parents, without any family. And uh, there are you know, assassins out to get them and she has to protect this child with everything that she has. And uh, definitely just a really wild journey um, that makes for some great action set pieces as well. Uh, very creative action set pieces in bowling alleys, in libraries, in uh, doctor's offices and parking garages. Um, and then you have one, one action scene where Karen Gillan's character her, she loses all feeling in her arms, so you know her her little little sidekick has to help her out. <laughs> tape, tape a gun to her hand, tape a knife to her hand, and she just has to swing around with limp <laughs> arms. That, that's basically the vibe for this movie. That so you that's have. a great scene there. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> uh, and then you have fantastic needle drops. You got some Janis Joplin in there, and uh, the animals. Um, and of course, we know Tarantino has always been great with. Uh, working soundtracks into his film. Oh, yeah. I think you can see that influence here as well. So definitely, um, you know, a great, not, not necessarily a Tarantino ripoff, but just right. something that takes a lot of great influence from Tarantino. I think it would make a great double feature with Kill Bill or okay. with something like Birds of Prey from last year, uh, the uh, Harley Quinn film. So Okay, so uh, as I look at the trailer for this, and this is one that's on my list to watch. I have not watched it yet. I wanted to last weekend, but uh, I watched some bad movies instead. Uh, would you say that fans of John Wick or Hotel Artemis um, or even Bad Times at the El Royale may appreciate this as well? Yeah, certainly. It, this one doesn't take itself quite as seriously as John Wick, I would okay. say. Um, and it, the action is, I guess in John Wick, some of the action almost seems kind of graceful and like a dance in a certain way. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This okay. one is probably even more you know, gritty in that and just doesn't really make any attempts to be you know, beautiful. It's right. just showing how okay. it is. So, so what's your rating for this? I'm giving a solid B plus to Gunpowder okay. Milkshake. So. Okay, Gunpowder Milkshake, a solid B plus. You can find that where? It's on Netflix, yeah. On Netflix right now. Uh, Lionsgate has a film that they have uh, just released, also deals with guns. Uh, this movie is called Die in a Gunfight, and the trailer looks pretty amazing when you when you take a look at this uh the, the storyline it's uh romeo and juliet meets the hatfield mccoy meets the godfather meets the talking heads of psycho killer so you know put that song in the background as you're watching the trailer you'll get a good sense yeah greg put that song in the background you'll get a good sense of what this movie might feel like uh it, it really did have plenty of ammunition had, had solid cast stylistically the way it was shot it looked great uh, had a great score all the things that you would think would work in a film could work. You, you would hope this would hit its target, but it failed to. Uh, it, was, it was way off the mark, and it misfired multiple times. Um, it is a romantic drama set against this neo-noir backdrop, which I, I did like that. I love the opening setup of it. Uh, there was quirky storytelling in the backstory. They used animation. They used some um, audio gags, voiceover narration. And the visual effects, those things all really worked for me in, in the first 30 minutes or so. The, so setting it up, the first act, I said, wow, this, is, this has got some potential. But then the dialogue tried to do what Quentin Tarantino does, and it didn't work. At times, um, it, it was creatively engaging, but other times it would take a side road that provided it to be meaningless and actually more distracting than beneficial. Uh, some, some other positives, uh, I, I really do think this was a film that had the potential, uh, some fascinating scenes. I love the use of color. Uh, as I mentioned, the cinematography and score, those were great. Uh, there was one absolutely perfect scene in this film, 
and I think uh, any film hopes to have something like this. Uh, the, the couple, this Romeo and Juliet, they're in a diner and in the background while they're sitting there talking about their lives and about the problems they're facing, there's a grease fire that happens in the background. You see it over their shoulder. And, and you see people trying to get rushing out. You see the, the cooks leaving. You see everybody trying to usher everybody out to get them out of this burning restaurant. Sprinklers come on. The couple just sits there and the sprinklers are coming on, the fires in the background, and then they just lock arms and then they just embrace each other. And that scene itself is just perfect. And that's about as perfect really as it gets. Um, it was mesmerizing to watch that and it was worth it for that scene but not a whole lot more. This quirky sense of style, it was intriguing, but it really couldn't make up for the lack of substance. Uh, ultimately, the film as a whole felt forced. Uh, it would have been much better as a short film than a 90-minute film. So uh, here's the movie's tagline. Love is messy, and this film is pretty messy as well. So a C minus, honestly, is about the best that I can give for the film called Die in a Gunfight. So it would not be a good double feature, Thomas, with Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah, that's unfortunate because uh, you showed me the trailer for it. Yep. I was pretty, I was pretty intrigued by the trailer and the storyline. Seems like something that would be right up my alley, but uh, I don't know that I'm going to be taking the time for it after your review here. Yeah, so. and you were going to watch it, and then I said, Thomas, you may want to find something yeah. else. And so you ended up watching Nicolas Cage, or to his friends, Raging Cajun. That's right, the Raging Cajun in a movie called Pig, and we might even get to another Nicolas Cage film a little bit later. Yeah. So tell me about Nicolas Cage in Pig. All right, so yeah, this is Pig. That's just three letters, and that's really all you need to know about this film. <laughs> it's about a pig. Um, and what, what I love about Nick Cage is he does like five or six movies a year. Some of them you, you're, you'll probably never even see. Some of them you may never even hear of, and some of them just aren't very good. But then every once in a while you get one like this where he shows you that He's an Oscar-winning actor. He, he won an Oscar back in, uh, what was it, 1988, I believe. Somewhere along those lines. Yeah, you're, you're, you may be way off. And so for, for our non-viewers, send us that non-viewer mail about when Nicolas Cage won the Oscar so we can set Thomas straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I probably need that tip. <laughs> but anyway, he, he comes into this film, and it's, it's very somber. It's very melancholic, and also it kind of gets bleak and depressing at some points, but I also think it has a heart of optimism. Kind of um, like this show. Yeah, exactly. Very depressing, much, but yeah. a heart of optimism. Very much like your, your parenting style. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Studio audience is loving that, Thomas. Wow. Wow, yeah. look at that. Yeah. All right. So, so this film is really about love, loss, and the search for, search for fulfillment. Um, Nicholas Cage's character, he's, he's a retired chef who is now basically off the grid living out in the woods with his pig and his trouble hunting pig. And one day somebody comes in and pig naps his kid. Pig naps his Say it again. Kidnaps his pig. <laughs> but I guess it would be a pig napping of the pig. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. And, um, you know, the rest, the rest of the film is just his journey to go track down his pig, but also learn, learn a lot more about himself and what's really important to him and his relationship with other human beings and his relationship with society. Yeah. Um, you have Alex Wolf, um, who he was in Hereditary a few years ago. Great young actor. He's also going to be in uh, M. Night Shyamalan's upcoming film Old. Yeah. And um, his relationship and interaction with Nicolas Cage's character is uh, really, really the heart of the story. Um, another thing I really loved about this film is pretty much every primary character undergoes character arc. It's very small cast, but the three, there are three central figures, and each of them 
by the end of the story is changed by, uh, you know, changed by the story and by their arc. And uh, you're, at the end, you're really left to ponder um, how these characters are going to go about their lives at the end, but it's not necessarily a cliffhanger. The, uh, basically, the path is paved for what you're going to believe the path that they're, they're taking. And um, by the end, it's, that's where the optimism comes wow. in. Yeah. Wow. Well, we, we did get that non-viewer mail, actually. They, they, they sent us a text. 1996 was the Oscar win for Nick Cage. Ah, uh, well, 88, 96, <laughs> like, only eight years yeah, of difference. Just, yeah. it's, you, you know, you weren't alive then, yeah, so it really yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, man, this sounds like a really interesting uh, journey yeah, uh, for, yeah. for Cage and for, for film, uh, film lovers as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the cinematography with the natural lighting is just stunning. Uh, it takes place basically in the mountains and forests of Oregon um, and kind of on the outside of the city of Portland. And uh, kind of seeing the contrast between the city of Portland where they travel into compared to his, his mountain hut out here, it's very interesting to see that uh, kind of social divide there and um, just just really, really beautiful film yeah. from top to bottom, and I'm really glad I got the chance to see it. Awesome, awesome. And where, where can people find the movie Pig? Uh, it is in theaters right now. Um, it is, yes, yeah, stream, or sorry, it's not streaming, but it probably will be coming to streaming uh, when it release, when it comes out of theaters. <laughs> so it's in theaters, and it's probably going to be streaming when it's in theaters, but it's not streaming yet. What I was trying to say is it's, okay, it's a neon production. Right. Neon, usually, their films usually go to Hulu. So right, so they do on demand as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, right. okay. so, so there you go, and, and we're going to get our non-viewers to check that out too, and maybe give us some updates on that during the intermission. Which, oh, what's the rating for Pig? Oh, Sorry. Pig, Pig, got to give the Pig an A, solid A. Solid A rating, yeah. all right. That's a great A pig for those that like bacon. Uh, thanks for joining us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. We're going to take an intermission, uh, try to find out uh, where else you can find this movie, Pig. Uh, right after the intermission, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Midnight in the Switchgrass, as well as Psycho Gorman, right here on Meet Me at the Movies. Have you seen the little piggies crawling in the dirt? Hello, welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies. Uh, during the intermission here, I'm, I'm Noel Manning. I, I did find that out. I still am Noel Manning. Thomas Manning over here to my right. Uh, Thomas, the movie Pig. We did find out uh, that it is in theaters and it's going to be streaming at some time. So we found that out. Yeah, that's, so, that's usually how it goes with movies, but uh, I yeah. kind of forgot about that for a minute. I was trying to work it all out, but yeah, that's pretty much how the industry works. Yeah, so, so Pig is in theaters with Nicolas Cage, and Thomas gave that a solid A rating. Solid A for Pig. So uh, if you want to check that out. Uh, back before the break, uh, I did do a, a little preview uh, of a movie called Midnight in the Switchgrass and also Psycho Gorman. Uh, so I'll tell you a little bit about this Midnight in the Switchgrass, and we'll let Thomas tell us about this Psycho by the name of Gorman. Uh, and speaking of psychos, uh, studio audience, uh, we do have, uh, we've got Phil Ruff over there, and uh, <laughs> good to see you, man. Uh, and, and that, that may be Psycho Gorman beside him. I'm not really sure. Uh, Greg Tillman, uh, could you tell us who, who that guest is over there? We don't, we don't know. We have no idea. Greg has no idea. Well, Midnight in the Switchgrass, let's talk about this, because it does have a, a, a psycho, actually a serial killer. Uh, the movie is based on a true story that took place in Rhode Island. There was a serial killer called the Truck Stop Killer uh, from 1975 to 1990. That may be about as far as the truth goes within this movie because uh, the movie itself transports all of this to Florida and it takes place in the early 
2000s. Uh, it is from Lionsgate, so it's got a, a studio behind it. Uh, Emil Hirsch stars on this with Megan Fox, also Lucas Haas, uh, and a supporting role by Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis gets top billing, but he's only in the movie for about 12 minutes. So uh, he really is more of a uh, extended cameo than anything else, and we're going to get to that uh, in just a minute. Uh, the movie uh, follows a uh, group of FBI agents, uh, a Florida state enforcement agent, and also the serial killer himself. So you're looking at three stories going on and how they collide. It's a cat and mouse game. Uh, we find ourselves wondering who's going to come out on top and alive at the end. That's really what the movie is about. It's really kind of an intriguing story. Uh, I watched this with my bride, Beth, and when we were kind of fascinated by the story itself, uh, Lucas Haas. Uh, he plays a serial killer uh, and a family man, and he is amazing. Uh, if you remember the movie Witness, uh, he was a kid actor then, and he's still still uh, acting even today. Emil Hirsch, but the two of them, they were the shining lights uh, in this movie. Uh, Megan Fox, uh, Megan Fox, depending on who you speak to, her acting was emotionless. Um, it, there was nothing there that 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 provided any kind of chemistry. Uh, even though there's an extended scene with her and Machine Gun Kelly, who was her beau. But I, I, it was the only reason she took this job was to meet Machine Gun Kelly. That's what she told People Magazine. Uh, and that's, that's, I'm just sharing that with you. Well, I mean, at least it worked out for her. Yeah, so. it worked out for her. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but Bruce Willis, uh, I mean, his role could have been anybody acting in that role. He provided nothing for it. It was really a throwaway role. Uh, the suspense itself felt pretty forced. I honestly find, found myself distracted at times, uh, waiting for it to end, and really wanting more of a suspenseful film uh, about serial killers like Seven or Zodiac or Silence of the Lambs. Uh, but this film did not measure up to any of those. Uh, Midnight in the Switchgrass uh, was much more like an old-school TV movie of the week. Uh, it's not bad, uh, but there's really nothing special here, uh, nothing actually memorable. And by the time the show ends, I'm probably going to forget the name of it and forget much about the film itself. C minus rating is about the best that I can give Midnight in the Switchgrass. Uh, I think you're going to go check this out when you get home, right? Uh, probably not. No, no. I'll probably just go back and watch a Manhunter again. Ma Michael Mann's Manhunter <laughs> if I want to watch a serial killer <laughs> film. So, right. Yeah. Well, well, you know, Pig is a suspense mystery as well. Ah, so you're yeah. trying to find out yeah. who's, who's killed the pig. So, you know, the pig didn't die, did the pig. Oh, no. Spoiler. Okay, don't don't tell me that because <laughs> the pig died. I'm not going to watch it oh, wow. unless there's bacon and ham involved. All right, Thomas. Uh, Psycho Gorman Psycho. is next on the list, and you've been wanting to talk about this movie for like five, six weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple months. I had this one, you know, I had a screener for this, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get this, and then we're going to review it on the show. But then the show, we kept having different schedulings and everything. So now we're finally here, and we're finally able to talk about Psycho Gorman. Um, unfortunately, it just did, did not quite live up to the weight. Um, so it's, it's very much a throwback to the 80s, schlocky, cheesy sci-fi films. And the kind that I would love, yeah. the kind that Adam Frazier yeah. would probably yeah. love. So when they lean into that, it's great. It's phenomenal, okay. the, the prosthetics and the makeup and creature design. Um, you know, it's kind of a, 
intergalactic thing mixed up with these these two kids on Earth who find discover this this grave with this demon of the universe who wants to destroy and burn everything down. Huh? That's Greg Tillman. Yeah, exactly that like Greg, Greg Tillman. Tillman. Exactly like yeah. Greg. Yeah, the actually Psycho uh, Greg is his name. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's kind of got that Spielbergian thing where you have the kids in the middle of this crazy sci-fi story. Um, the thing is, the kids are. Or the the main the main protagonist, the little girl, is like so incredibly annoying. Um, her she undergoes no character arc whatsoever. Her brother is um, his character is the most likable in the entire film. Um, the parents are just so annoying. So they're deadbeat parents. And but then I'm like your dad, <laughs> exactly like my dad. Um, <laughs> and really, so the the boy, little boy Luke, he's great. And then also the only other character that undergoes any kind of arc is Psycho Gorman himself, who is still demon of the universe who wants to burn everything down. He discovers how to love. He finds some love in his heart. But other than that, um, everybody else in this film is just so extremely unlikable. And I would have liked a little bit more optimism. I mean, ultimately, the central theme is humans are the real monsters. That's literally a line from the film. And I mean, sure, that's, that's somewhat true in some cases. But it would have been nice if, um, you know, a little, little girl was like, given a few more likable characteristics yeah. and uh, that just was not the case and um, I, by the end I was just shaking my head um, really up until the third act I was really with it and um, but then when they didn't deliver on any you know fulfillment of um, you know character progression I was just very disappointed yeah and, and Greg seems to think this is probably the probably not the candidate for Family feel good film of the year? Definitely not. Okay. Um, it's it's actually doesn't have an MPAA rating, uh, really? but it's extremely gory. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, gore so that's, man. Is that where the gore man comes? Yeah, from? yeah. <laughs> and also, there's there's a lot of language as well. So yeah. definitely not for the kids, even though it's got two two kids as the uh, primary characters. So. Doesn't even sound like it was for adults because you don't sound like you really I, enjoyed it. I don't know who it was for. It, I like. <laughs> Yeah. Was, it, was yeah. it for Phil Ruff, maybe? Uh, I, Studio uh, audience? I don't know about Phil. <laughs> it might have been for his friend over there, but yeah, yeah. So what rating are you giving Psycho Gorman? I'm going to give it a C yeah. um, just because okay. I, I did appreciate what they were able to accomplish from the practical effects standpoint. Um, so just major props to everybody behind the scenes involved in those areas of the production. But um, as far as what it was doing with its story and with its themes, yeah. it just didn't, didn't hold up for me. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that, Thomas. Yeah. I've been wanting to hear your thoughts on that for a while. Uh, there, we're going to switch to switch gears and go to streaming uh, and go to Apple and, uh, and talk a little bit about Ted Lasso. Season two, uh, I have had a chance to watch several episodes uh, in advance uh, of season two. And in season two, if you're watching this or listening to us, you can check it out now. You and I, huge fans of the first season. You actually turned me on to, uh, to this series and fell in love with it. And uh, everybody else fell in love with it as well, but they took the time. Uh, the Emmys, 20 Emmy nominations, uh, the most ever for a freshman series. So everybody's giving this some love, well-deserved as well. Season, if you love season two, you're going to appreciate, I'm sorry, if you love season one, you're going to appreciate season two as well. Uh, there are uh, characters from the past or back. You're going to see those, including... Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart. Yeah. Jamie Tart will be uh, coming back. 
What will his role be? I'm not going to tell you, but, but he is going to be somehow connected to the team in a reality TV series. You're going to find that out. Uh, there is going to be a recurring character, uh, a sports psychologist that's going to help them get over the yips and a few other things. Uh, the Ted Lassoisms are strong, well and strong. Uh, in the first few episodes and will continue uh, this season as how many episodes, Thomas? I believe there are 12 episodes in this yeah, season. 12 yeah. episodes. There were 10 in the first season and 12 in the second. And, and it is something that really uh, the series itself has so much heart, uh, the first season, and this has heart as well. Uh, we've, we've seen character arc. We saw it at the end of season one, and we're going to see it even more uh, here in season two. So, so far, uh, as I'm into eight episodes, uh, a, a solid A rating, so it's continuing, uh, continuing to be strong. Uh, Ted Lasso, well worth your time if you have not seen it. Uh, Thomas, any other thoughts or comments before we wrap things up and go to a movie quote of the week? Um, well, I'm just so so pumped about Ted Lasso season two, and uh, I think pretty much the entire world is. Everybody that's gotten a chance to watch the first season, we're all anxiously awaiting uh, season two. Well, Thomas, thanks for your thoughts, and, and let, uh, next, next week let's come back and talk about another Nicolas Cage film, uh, Willie's Wonderland. Uh, we talked about it just briefly when I interviewed Beth Grant, uh, who was also starring in this film, and we're going to get your take on this, which that is streaming. It is Willie's on, on Hulu, on Hulu. It yeah. is streaming on Hulu, yeah. so you can check that out. And we'll talk about Loki now that it's complete. Uh, we're going to talk about that uh, as well. Movie quote of the week uh, does come from Diana Gunfight, uh, and here it is. Uh, you know, I'm just letting what's meant to be, be. So until next time, for our studio audience, Phil Ruff, we appreciate, uh, appreciate you, appreciate the theme song as well. Thank you for that. Uh, Greg Tillman uh, back there in Mission Control. Thank you, sir. Uh, Thomas Manning, thank you for all of your valuable insight about streaming and things on theaters. Uh, and sometimes they happen at the same time and sometimes they don't. So until next time, for me being at the movies, I'm not team man in a second. That's a wrap. <laughs> Many films to view Until we meet again Next time we see you We'll gladly fill you in We'll tell about the happy and the sad ones We'll talk about the good ones and the bad ones Many films to view till we meet again.